Welcome back to The Watch List. I'm Nicole Petalini at the New York Stock Exchange. And we want to talk all about American Express earnings with our panel. Joining me right now, Dominic Gabriel, senior analyst of FinTech and specialty finance at Oppenheimer. Michael Miller, equity analyst at Morningstar. Thank you so much for being with us. So uh, would you call this a decent report, Dominic? What do you call it? I think really what happened here is that the buy side and, and investors are really looking for more of a jumping off point into 2023. And when you have FX headwinds of roughly 4% to volumes and 3% to uh, total revenue, you know, that sets up the, the bar a little lower going into 2023. And obviously, we had a large reserve build that we actually were anticipating to some extent. But I think it took some uh, investors by surprise, given that gloomier outlook that uh, American, American Express talked about. At the same time, you know, you still probably have something like 14% EPS growth heading into next year. And American Express has obviously been a safe haven uh, for investors versus the S&P year to date. And so we think that they have really great expense levers to pull in case you do see a continued spending slowdown, which we have seen. But overall, I think it was the reserve build and you know some FX impacts kind of limiting the upside to uh, the company raising the overall guidance and, and beating it for 2022. And Michael, I was coming through your notes and um, I, I saw the quarterly report. Also, what jumped out at me is the luxury cards being a highly competitive market and having to try, you know, Capital One's venture card, for example, would be a competitor and how these companies have to be aggressive on rewards and ways to maintain the momentum. I mean, but the luxury market is still hot. Right, Michael? Yeah, it's still a um, space a lot of companies are interested in, and it does drive higher expenses uh, for American Express. Um, operating costs are up 19%. Big driver in that is going to be, you know, membership benefits, membership services. Those are up 18 and 34% respectively. Um, so until we see sort of more of a material slowdown in spending, in revenue for these guys, I think you're going to continue to see American Express um, invest in growth. Um, but like was mentioned, they do have the levers to pull if things slow down. And so what is your thought when you look at the group here? Michael, when you see, um, you called this one a decent report in your, in your um, note, tell me about the group. Is American Express a favorite of yours in comparison to all the other names? Um, yeah, I would say so. You know, it's been one of the stronger performers of the group pretty much this entire year. Um, spending growth has been fantastic. Um, even with a little bit of deceleration this quarter, you're still looking around 21% growth year over year. Um, they do have a very affluent user base, which makes them a little more defensible, more defensive on terms of some of this macroeconomic slowdown in inflation costs on the consumer. Um, they've also generally been a little stronger on terms of the credit side. Uh, credit call write-offs for American Express are still about half of what they were before the pandemic. So the company is still in a good position, but we are seeing a bit of a slowdown that quarter, sequential quarter to quarter. What do you think, Dominic, um, you know, when you think about the state of the consumer, which ones are your, your favorites in the group? So we've been at Oppenheimer in specialty finance. We've actually been downgrading stocks for the past year and a half. And American Express is actually our only outperform out of Discover, Capital One, Synchrony uh, and Bread and of the card issuers. And so we've been, you know, slowly trimming our exposure overall to uh, specialty finance. And we keep American Express for actually very many of the same reasons the gentleman just mentioned. 
with the high FICO score, customer base, spend-centric model. Remember, only 19% of their revenue is uh, NII-driven and loan-driven, right? So we think it's a great defensive play. We think for the same reasons that their consumer base as a percentage of discretionary income, that inflation impact is, is a lot less and they can keep spending. And you've seen T&E actually grow uh, to 26% of worldwide uh, build business from 21% a year ago. So they're still seeing a lot of momentum there okay. and their loan growth is higher than the industry. Their uh, volumes are higher than the industry, partly because of laughing. Uh, COVID effects, but honestly, there's a lot of things to like here versus the peer group, but we do see downside uh, for this peer group. Okay. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you both very much. Appreciate it. Dominic Gabriel, Oppenheimer, Michael Miller of Morningstar. Thank you both very much.